0: This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Bibles, and just go to Psalm 127, that's where we'll start off. We have a couple of different places that we want to touch on, but we'll start in Psalm 127. And again, once again, we're, uh, we're completing or, or bringing to, um, uh, to a particular place this teaching on God's purpose for the family. And my, my portion of scripture um, is going to be the parents' responsibility to their children. And so we, we've been talking, uh, you know, at length about, um, you know, how God, his, his, um, his, his, um, his set position and where he wants the family, his purpose for the family. And we said that the purpose of the family is to produce spiritually and emotionally mature believers who, in turn, get God's redemptive work done in the earth. That the set position, the, the place, the pose that God has, and in his intention for the family is that it would function, that it's, that its sole purpose, that its sole intention, that its motivation for existence is to produce. It's not just to exist. It's not for anyone's aggrandizement. It's not for your exaltation. It's not to, to, to pat you on the back to say, look how many children I have. Or look at, look at how big my, my clan is. But it's to produce spiritually and emotionally mature believers. Those that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Who are in turn able to themselves become productive. In doing God's redemptive work in the earth, which is to seek and to save the lost. And seeking and saving the lost, it involves more than just what you say. It involves more than just the T-shirt that you wear, but it involves the lifestyle that you live and the choices that you make, the value that you place on other people, and the value that you place on God's on God's work, on God's work. And so, in addressing parents. My my purpose in this teaching is I, I, I'm i not here to try and, and, and place any burdens upon um, the parents in this ministry. I'm not here to, um, you know, another thing is that, you know, my, my children are listening to this message. And I, I'm not here to, to let your children know what they're entitled to, right? To give them a sense of, well, you owe me this or, or, you know, you haven't provided that. But my goal in this teaching is to just to bring forth what the Word of God says As it relates to his purpose in the family. And so, just before we go to Psalm 127, go to Ephesians chapter 5. Sorry about that. It's Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1. And this this is really my my goal. And and Paul, in writing to the Ephesians, he gave them uh, various specific actions and, and things that they needed to do and that they needed to add to their Christian walk. But the whole net of the matter is found in, in, in chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also have loved us, and have given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. And so the whole, the, the end of the matter is that we want you all to be followers of God and to teach your children to be followers of God. And that you're able to, to walk in love. And as you're showing um, you know, your children and directing your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, this is how you're able to walk in love and to give yourself as an offering and a sacrifice. We're saying, Yes, you sacrifice for so many things. You lay down your life for your family, but in laying down your life for your family, you're out you're actually offering a sacrifice. You actually provided an offering to God. And to Him, it is a sweet-smelling savor. Because your motivations are not for your own selfish gain. It is for the advancements of the kingdom. Back in Psalm 127, it says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an inheritance of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed. But they shall speak with the enemies and negate. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word. It says, except the Lord build the house. And I'm so glad that, that in, in this psalm of, of, of degrees and in, in this psalm of exaltation unto the Lord our Savior and to Adonai and to the Lord God of all, that he says, except the Lord build the house, because the Lord... Is the Lord God Almighty? It's the it's the covenant name Yahweh. It means the one that is above all, the one that I bow down to, the one that that not only has authority but the one that is authority. And so, unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor labor in vain. Unless I have submitted myself to authority, unless I have placed myself within the one that under the the obedience to the one that is authority. They that labor to build the house, they build it in vain because you can't build a house with with the pieces that are not aligned. They all have to be set in a specific place and aligned according to the cornerstone. They have to be placed on the foundation. You can't just build a house of sticks and expect it to stand and be able to withstand through trials and tests and tribulations. Because that will fall over into those that dwell within. But except the Lord build the house, except That I've placed myself under authority. That that I've placed myself under direction in laboring to build this house. I build in vain. Except the Lord keeps the city. All of my fussing and complaining and trying to tell my children to do this and to do that and and to direct them. Except the Lord keeps the city. The watchman watches in vain. You know, as parents, we have the responsibility to nurture our children with training and discipline that comes from the Lord. It comes out of His authority, His plan, His intentions. Go to Ephesians chapter 6 again. So we read Ephesians 5, just one one chapter over in chapter 6, starting with verse 1 a scripture that we would read at the dinner table all the children would say children obey your parents in the lord for this is right and if you didn't know any other verse that my parents made sure that you knew that particular verse and it says honor thy father and mother which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth and ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord the nurturing admonition that means the, that we need to bring them up in the, the instruction in the discipline that comes from fearing the Lord that in the instruction and in the discipline and righteousness that is being in the right position and right standing with God's word with his decrees And so when it says fathers, again, we're not leaving anybody out. That means fathers and mothers. Those that are the parents in the house. When it says fathers, it means those that would consider you to be the the, the elder saints. Those that would consider you to have influence over the young people in the ministry. Who are the young people? Anybody that, that needs knowledge that you have. Those are the young people in the ministry. We get so caught up with with age and numbers and and different connections. But anyone that needs the knowledge that you have, those are the young people in this ministry. You know, often I, I have the opportunity and the privilege to work with the children in this ministry. Um, in, in, in children's church, this is when they're before the age of 12, sometimes before the age of 14. And, you know, often it's, 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 it's not a question of, you know, am I your father? It's not a question of, do I have the, the right to, to lay hands on you? But I have instruction for you about who God is. About the existence of the, about the love that God has. I can show you through the kindness that, that I exhibit to, to, to you as I'm giving forth the instruction, through the way that, that I correct you and, and, and bring you back into focus and, and to order in the classroom, I can demonstrate for you the goodness of the Lord. Many of the men in this ministry, the young, the young men, are looking to you as models of, of humility. And they're looking to you, they, they look to you, and they, they see your, your service. They see how you react when people put stress on you. How, how, how you react when people are out of line. And you, you are as a father. You are as, you are as one that, that, that is a faithful steward in the house of God. Being watchful over that which is not your own, but bringing it to a state of perfection. You, you are you are fathers in this church, so don't get hung up saying, "Well, my my biological children are not with me. My biological children are not present." You still have the responsibility as fathers to bring forth the teaching, to demonstrate in your lifestyle the way of the Lord. It says, "Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord." We have a responsibility to lead our children to salvation through Jesus Christ. To train them in a lifestyle of obedience to the standard of God. We have to, when we say train, we have to align their feet. We have to focus their eyes. We need to point them in a direction of a lifestyle of obedience to the standard of God. We have to point them in a way that says that this is not just what I say, but this is what is pleasing to God. It's not just a question of of, of following the instructions that I'm giving you. But I want you to, to open up your heart and to expose your heart to the will of God that you can be, that you can completely obey. That you can more fully comprehend what it is that God is trying to do in your life. And so, when we look at this responsibility, one of the first things is that parents, we we have to hear the command of God. Parents, you must hear the command of God. And you're going to have to put yourselves and your household in the position to obey. You're going to have to hear the command of God and put yourself and your household. In position to obey, my example for this is, is is Abraham. Go to Genesis chapter 12, a very familiar passage of Scripture, but one that 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 I find strength from every every time that I that I that I go over it. It says that in Genesis chapter 12, verse one, now the Lord said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred. From thy father's house into a land that I will show you. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee. And make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee. And I will curse him that curseth thee. And in thee all the families of the earth. Shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So the Lord tells Abram. He says get thee out of thy country. Get out of the environment of idol worship. Get out of the structure where you're depending upon those whose purposes and goals are contrary to my will. Move to a place where your strength, where your sustenance, where your dependence comes only from me. In me alone. Where you know that your trust is in me. And that I provide all of your needs. Get out of that that place where culture and tradition has held you down. And kept you and blinded you from doing what I have showed you must be done. Get out of that place. You know, just to be practical, as parents, you have the responsibility... Of making a deliberate decision. Just to, I want to be 100% here. You, as parents, have the responsibility of making a deliberate decision on who has influence over your children's lives, family members and non family members. You are responsible for making deliberate decisions. It's not enough that they are cousins. It's not enough that they are uncles or aunties. But you have to make a deliberate decision on who's going to have influence over your children's lives. Now we all know that every auntie and every uncle, every cousin them, are not the people that we want our children to have influence over our children's lives. But as you bring them around those people, they will have an influence. As those people are over at your house and being entertained by you, they will have an influence over your children's lives. You cannot allow yourself to, by default, by kindness, by some, some, some desire to, to, to just be nice and be Christian, to allow wolves in the midst of your homes To allow wolves in the midst of your home, you have to be very intentional and deliberate about what you expose your children to. And as your children are exposed to different members of your family, they have to understand that this is my standard. Yes, I understand, you know, this person and that person. And we know where they come from. We know what their struggles are. But this is what our decision is on that thing. You know what? We're not trying to tell you to cut your Christmas list. To disinvite people from Thanksgiving dinner. But your children need to know what the deal is. They need to know what the deal is. Uncle Brother's on his third wife. And his eye is always wandering. They need to know what we think about that. I don't need to talk about uncle, brother, but they need to know what my standard is. They need to know what the Lord's standard is about that. Ane them is always coming over. She dissipated because she loves whatever she loves. They need to understand what the standard is. They need to understand what God's standard is. Those cousins that come over all tatted up and their Facebook pages have them throwing up profanity signs and every music playlist, every recommendation that they have is something with with, with profanity laced throughout. They need to understand what our standard is. We have to be very deliberate, very intentional about who we bring our children around. You know, no. It, it, you know what? They cannot come up and stay a week with you. I'm sorry. No, no. That, that that's that's. We, our schedule is just busy. We're, we're occupied. We are occupied at that time. No, the children, their their schedules are just so. They they're occupied. They're occupied. They're occupied. What are they? They are occupied with vacation Bible school. They're occupied with choir. They can't miss. No, no, they cannot miss choir practice. They can't miss their core reading. They have things in the church that have their full attention, that have their full engagement. They are so busy in the house of God that they cannot get caught up in your foolishness. Parents, you have to be very deliberate about the people that have influence in your children's lives, including family members. You know what Mama, I know you like the drama but the kids can they can't spend the summer with you they, they, they just their schedules you know it's their schedules their schedules their schedules they're so bu- they their schedules what do you have them doing are they playing soccer but they're, they're so busy with God's work that they don't have time to be caught up in the foolishness from the neighborhood. They don't have have time to get caught up in the bondages from the old days. We're wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We have to put our, our families in position, our households in position to hear and obey the word of God. Parents, we must present our children to be useful to God. It's our responsibility to present our children to be useful to God. A great example of that is in 1 Samuel. If you go to 1 Samuel chapter 1, this is this this woman that she, she was not able to have children. And she said that, Lord, if you just allow me, if you just give me the chance, if you just give me the chance, what you give to me, I'm going to give right back to you. What you give to me, I'm going to give to you. And so she has a child. Hannah has Samuel. And in keeping with her word, she gives him right back to the Lord. First Samuel chapter 1, verse 27. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, also, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. She said, as, I, I, I asked you for this child. This child is a gift from you, God. And as you've given this to me, I'm going to give it right back to you. I'm going to give it right back. I'm going to give this child right back to you. What does that mean to give me right back to you? Does that mean that everybody should bring their children up to the church? Now come on, let's, 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 let's be practical. Let's be practical. Go to 2 Timothy. We're going we're to show you what does it mean that, that I, I've given my child right back to the Lord. 2 Timothy. The child that was given to me, I've given right back to the Lord. 2 Timothy. This is the testimony, this is the witness of, of Timothy's life as spoken by his spiritual father, Paul, Second Timothy chapter three, verse fifteen, it says, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Is it from a child, from a child you were made to know the scriptures. You were made to understand. You were taught the word of God which is able, which is able to make thee wise unto salvation. Now, does that mean when he was five years old that he accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior? Does that mean when Timothy was eight years old that he accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior? That doesn't mean that at all. What it means is that from an early age, from an early age, his mother, his grandmother make sure that he understood that he was familiar with that he could handle that he knew what this book was that he understood the word of god that he knew what the word was saying and so in and, and putting our children in the position where they can be where they can be used by god where they can hear god we have to make sure that our children have heard the words That they have to hear the promises. They have to hear of the love of God. They have to hear of His great sacrifice. Of how He was faithful in Scripture. How He was faithful to Adam. How He was faithful to Abraham. How He is faithful in bringing Jesus Christ. Over and over. They have to understand all these cases and all these instances where God has shown that he is unchanging. That when all else fails, that he'll never fail. So that as they begin to mature and to develop their reasoning, as they begin to weigh what is right and what is wrong. You know, a Scripture has an analogy. It that says that, that, we would, that, that you would feed your children with, with butter and honey, with milk and honey, until they know to choose the right from the wrong. You give them the good things. You don't give them the trash. You give them what is good and helpful and strengthening to their bodies until they are able to choose that for themselves. And so we bring our children in front of the live stream. We bring our children into the sanctuary when they will come back here again. We bring our children out to the services Even when they say that they're sleepy or that they have homework to do, or that they have this or that or or something else, some other excuse. We bring them in so that they can hear the word of God. We take this word of God home and we break it down. What did you learn today? What did you, what stuck out for you in the teaching today? You know, I was thinking about as I was doing the yard work, how good God is. And I was looking at the rose bushes and looking at at how God is so purposeful in what he's doing. That I see God in every single thing that I do. And I share that with my children. We're purposeful to bring the word of God in front of our children. To present him as he is, as holy, as separate, as above as preeminent as Lord of our lives, so that they can then, when, they are re- when, when their minds are ready, to make that decision to choose between right and wrong, that they can bring an acceptable offering to God. So we have to present our children to be useful to God. We have to separate our children from the corrupt designs of this world system. We have to separate our children from the corrupt designs of this world system. Let's go back to Abraham, Genesis chapter 17. This is the parent's responsibility. And what I mean mean by that is that parents, your children, will not find this way on their own. Your children will not find this way on their own. You know why is the way that leads to destruction. It's so, it's so easy and it's so accessible. Everything around them is designed to lead them into destruction. but narrow is the way that leads to life. Few there be that find it. How can it, they're going to find it, parents, as you assume your responsibility to your home. Genesis chapter 17. In Genesis 17, I love the way that this starts off in verse 1. This is Abram. He's an old man, he's, he's, he's been through some things. But even now, the Lord is still make, placing demands and placing requirements on his life, he's giving him tasks. He's giving him things that he needs to do. You know, a lot of times we say, well, I'm, I'm 50 plus, I'm, I'm 40 plus, I'm 60 plus. You know, I, I, I should have done enough. I should have done enough. I should have done enough. But that's when God is just now using you. That's when God is just now using you. You, you know, I talk so much about my grandmother. About my grandmother and, and the example that she set in righteousness. You know, but I never knew my grandmother as a young woman. As a woman in her youth, as a woman in her strength. I knew her as an old woman. She was already retired, well past working. It's, it was then that God was using her. It's, it was then that God was using her. And I saw it in my own mother's life how... How she she, she pressed and she pressed and she pressed. And I saw her press as I was growing up. But, oh, it was such a thing that when she laid it all down, when she she put away the cares of, of the job, that the children, the grandchildren were able to see so much more what God was trying to show through her life. So parents, your, your response is it's, it's not that I'm going to serve God until they get out of high school. It's not that we're going to stay together until the kids get out of college and then we're going to act up and then we're just going to go, wow. It's a lifetime commitment. Your children are looking at you all their lives. They're looking at you. They're looking at they, they, they want to say, well, what is the end of this thing? I'm working, I'm working, I'm working, and it doesn't seem like it's paying off. I'm planting seeds, I'm planting seeds, I'm planting seeds. All I see is shoots. What is the end result of this thing? Am I going to work and be ashamed in the last day? Am I going to work and be ashamed that all of my efforts, all of my tasks, all of my toils were for nothing? That it was all vanity, it was all futile. So I just love it that, that God, he comes to Abraham when he's 90 and 9, when he's an old man, when he should be past his strip. And he says, you know what? I have a new assignment for you. I have a new assignment for you. Parents, he has an assignment. For, he says to Abraham in verse 1, it says, and Abraham was 90 years and 9 old. And the Lord appeared to Abraham and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. It says, Abraham, I am the Almighty God. I am the Almighty God. I am the Lord. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And he gives him the instruction concerning circumcision. And I just love that, that Abraham's response it should be our response whenever God is speaking to us, whenever God is directing us, He didn't have to he didn't procrastinate, He didn't think about it, He didn't fast on it, He didn't ponder it. Immediately he stirred himself to become obedient to the Word of God. Go to Genesis chapter seven, verse twenty three. It says, And Abraham took Ishmael, his son, and all that were born in his house, and all that were bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house and circumcised the flesh of their foreskin in the selfsame day as God had said unto him. In the selfsame day as God. In the self same day. When God said it, Abraham said, Look, I'm going to get busy with it. And Ishmael, my son, you're going to have to conform to it. Everybody in my house needs to be conformed to the word of God in the self-same day. We said that we we understand the measure of our obedience. We understand how we have learned and how we have trusted based on how quickly we obey the instructions of God. Abraham in that self-same day. He didn't just direct himself but his son. Every male in his household. Anybody that was associated with him. Anybody that would receive protection and covering by him. He says, all of you all, Fall in line. It's come to attention. Now is the time that you're going to be We're going to separate. We're going to make you different. We're not going to fit in anymore. We're not going to go along to get along anymore. We're going to be different than everybody else around here. Because we are going to be separated for the use of our God. We see that, that, that Moses, when, when, when God was ready to pass judgment on the nation of Egypt, because he would not liberate the people, that God said, I'm going to pass this judgment on the firstborn sons. And Moses was like, okay, God, you're a mighty God, you're a mighty God, you're a mighty God. But Moses had forgotten what God had told Abraham How do you know that? How do you know that God is mighty? How do you demonstrate that God is almighty? Based on your obedience. God is almighty. God is almighty. But is he almighty in your home? Is he almighty in your life? Is he almighty in this dispensation for you? Well, how are you obeying? And so... Moses was ready to go and tell Pharaoh what, what, what thus said the Lord and the judgment that God had passed on him. But God says, Moses, I got, I got, I got contention with you because you have not circumcised your own children. You've not circumcised your own son. And God was ready to strike him down. God was ready to kill him until his son was circumcised. We have to separate our children from the corrupt desires of this world, from this world system. The thing that they think that they want. The things that they think that they want. We have to guide that and say, you know what, this is what God's desire is. This is what His purpose is for your life. You know what, I, I know you think that that is what it is, but it's really not. It's a wooden nickel. It's false. It's not gonna it's not gonna bring you to what you think it's gonna bring you to. Look in Judges chapter 14. Judges 14. If there was ever anyone that, that, that God was was working in their life, it's it's Samson. He's spoken to his parents before he was born. A vow was placed on his life. He'd grown up, separated from God, different from everybody else. His his diet was structured. His life was structured because he was separated to God. But when when Samson came of age, Judges chapter 14, verse 1, he says, And Samson went down into Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me to wife. He says, I saw something. It caught my eye. And he went back to tell his parents about it. I saw something. It caught my eye. And immediately his, his father and his mother, he said to him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren, or among all my people, that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised, of those that are not circumcised, those that have not been separated and cut out, of the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. Simpson himself was circumcised. He understood his life had been separated for use by God. But when it came for him to choose a wife, he went among the, the, the uncircumcised, the corrupt system in this world. And his parents says, "We understand that God has a call upon your life. You know that God wants you to do something. How is it that you would entangle yourself with someone that will not be able to help you to fulfill this call? With someone that is not directed and guided by the word of God in the seeking after righteousness. That's what we we'll call a deal breaker. That's what we we'll call a deal breaker. Someone that, I know that God has a design for me. I know that God has a desire for me. I cannot allow myself to be entangled with the corruption of this world. I cannot allow myself to be entangled with the snares of this world. And so parents, we have to teach our children to separate themselves. We have to remove those influences from their their eyes. And teach them what is valuable, what is precious. We're going to have to teach our children... And I'll get more into this next time. But we're going to have to teach our children to bring an offering to the Lord. We're going to have to teach them to bring an acceptable offering unto the Lord. Go to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. We're going to have to teach our children to bring an acceptable offering unto the Lord. In verse 1 it says, and in the Pro- Genesis chapter 4 verse 3. It says in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the first of the ground an offering unto the Lord, and Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof and the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. So we see here that that both Cain and Abel they brought an offering to the Lord, and we and. And knowing that their father was, was Adam, we say, well, how did they know? How did they, where did they learn to do this? They learned from, her, from their father how to bring an offering to the Lord. Too often our, our children, we start them off, we give them a, a quarter. We give them a dollar. We say, bring, put that in the, in the children's ministry. Bring, put that in the offering basket bring bringing this offering bring this offering bring we teach them we, That's that's not wrong to do that's not wrong to do to give give your children money teach them this is this is how you give this is how you this is how you give this is how you give but what happens is that in the course of time our children they get stuck on that $1 that $5 mentality and they're just bringing that $1 they're just bringing that $5 What they're doing is that they're still bringing your offering. They're still bringing your offering to the Lord. And they have not learned to bring their offering to the Lord. They haven't learned to bring their offering to the Lord. They say, well, I gave that 10% because that's what dad said I needed to give. I got birthday money, so I gave some of my birthday money. I got some, I got a job, and I gave some of my job money. You know what? That's, that's just what, that's what you said that we're supposed to do. That's the form, that's the fashion of the sanctuary. But they're still bringing your offering. They haven't brought their offering. They haven't brought their offering to the Lord. They haven't brought the thing that touches them the most, the thing that causes them to stretch the most. And I know you parents, I know you're afraid. You're like, well, what do you mean, Brother Eberhardt? You want my children to suffer? You want them to go without? You want them to lack? I spent my whole life making provisions so that they would not suffer. So that they would not have lack. But listen, your children are going to have to learn to bring their offering to the Lord. You're like, well, you know... They, they, they can't be at church on these hours because they have things to do. They have jobs, they have school, they have work to do. But they said that they committed themselves to this ministry and they said that they were available for these times. So why are you trying to hold them back from doing what they said they could and that they wanted and that they were willing to do? I don't want them to... They, they get so stressed out trying to learn all those scriptures. I mean, can we just make it a little bit easier? Can we make the assignments a little bit shorter? I mean, you know, I, I'm not sure if they... You know what? They know what they know. They, I could ask my son to name the generations of Yu-Gi-Oh! And he could go on at nauseum. But then I say, well, tell me the generations from Abraham... To David, who sticks out in those generations. Hopefully, he'll have a few names to give me. He said, Dad, I know. I, I, I can tell you something about those guys. I, I've, I've been studying that. But we try to hold our children back, we try to shelter them and protect them. We're like, well, you know what? Go and get a job where the money is. They're like, are you sure about that, Dad? Are you sure about that, Mom? You need to take care of your family. You need to take care of your house. Are you sure about that? I really, it's going to interfere with me being able to come to church. It's going to interfere with me being able to, to give myself. And we say, oh, no, 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 that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. You can give whatever is left over to God. You can give whatever is, is extra to God. We may not say those words, but that's what we mean. That's what we mean. When we should tell them, look, this is where God has planted you. God has a purpose for you. He has a a design for you. You're going to make the greatest impact in your life in this place at this time. It doesn't matter what they say about admissions. It doesn't matter what they say about job offers and salary structure. You will never be as productive or productive or alive. Outside of the will of God. That's how we teach our children to give an offering to the Lord. So that you will never be productive, effective, or alive outside of the will of God. And there's so much, there's so much I want to go into around that. But I'm so out of time. We will pick it up And talk some more about it next week. But we're going to have to teach our children. Look, it was good that you gave that quarter. Thank you for not going to spend it on candy. You you learned that. You learned that. You learned that. Now it's time for you to learn to give your offering. You need to learn to give your offering. And parents, we're going to have to teach our children how to do that. Amen. God bless you. Stay around. We'll come back for the 10 o'clock service. You can be dismissed.